You don't sound autistic. Well, uh, what does an autistic person Wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But, but we're talking about... Yeah, but, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back again, again. And again. To You Don't Sound Autistic, I'm Blake. And I'm Michelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. There you go. That's it. That's the end of the episode. Very <laughs> short episode this week. No, no. In fact, quite the opposite. This is going to be a special episode um, that we tailor a little more towards current events because I think the uh, I think it's it's important to tie some of the things that we've been talking about in our previous episodes back to some of the things that are happening in our society today because they align quite naturally and they and we need to talk about them. If you say so. I agree. Let's do it. Thank you. So I want to talk about Elijah McLean. Yes. I know. Let's talk about it. He was a coworker of mine. Um, I I had an acquaintance with him, um, and he was one of us. He was one of. He was uh, he was a massage therapist in my circle, and someone that we very very much loved. And he was, if you don't know the story, um, he was killed by the police two years ago. Uh, it was in August of 2019, and in the city of Aurora, just a few blocks from where you and I lived at the time. Right. I remember the story because I remember you, well, let's not hide the fact that, you know, so he was killed by the police. He was autistic. He He's was. also African-American. Yes. And that being said, the question, you know, was like, well, what if this was a white for me, was just like, what if this was a white autistic kid that was wearing a mask? Would he have been killed? It's a fair question. I think, you know, because of the racial climate we have and the, the fact that we have not healed for so many generations, that's a difficult thing to answer. Right. I know that it is a question I myself faced just a few months later when, when you did have um, some, you had a breakdown that would have, you know, warranted me calling the 911. ambulance yeah yeah 911 calling the ambulance <laughs> it was hello a, can i get the ambulance please <laughs> i need them at this address but i honestly the, that very question ran through my mind and knowing that we were in the same district as um as elijah in the aurora colorado area i i was not confident calling 911 because of what happened to my friend, I had very little confidence that they knew how to handle a mental health situation. And, and I didn't think that, you know, Elijah, he was not in any distress at the moment. He was, um, he was peacefully walking home. He had earphones in his ears. He was dancing. Um, it's just that someone called the police and said he looked suspicious. And when, when they called his name, of course he couldn't hear them because he had his earphones in and the situation escalated from there. In our moment of need, you were in a mental health crisis, very different situation, and we would have needed them to come in and help you. Um, you were injured quite severely, um, and you were not in a place of comprehension. Um, and so, but, you know, that question came to mind is, are they going to kill you too? <laughs> you know, and as a result, I didn't call 911 on your behalf, and we just worked through it on our own, but it's a scary thing to have to think about whether or not we can call in resources because of comprehension issues or whether we're going to get the support we need and the compassion we need when compliance isn't as guaranteed. So I want to talk about Elijah's story. Uh, and it's very dear to my heart because he was one of us. When you say one of us. Well, he worked with, we worked in the same company. Right. Um, he worked for he worked in clinics that I worked in, um, that my sister worked in. We knew him. We worked with him. Um, you know, we were a big family, and it was a really difficult thing. Take your time. <laughs> you always do. <laughs> I do. It was just he was one of us. Okay. One of us. So um, I'm really grateful to see that so many people have learned his name between now and then. 
because even a year ago, most people didn't. And I've seen so many people come to his defense that did not understand his story that have since educated themselves. And I appreciate that. Um, and there is information coming out from his friends, um, like myself that have started to share some of the internal challenges that he had that contributed to this. And I think that Elijah's story is very valid and very sad. And at the same time, a great teaching moment for the rest of us, because what he experienced is unfortunately not very uncommon in a group of people that don't feel like it's okay to say, hey, I don't understand you. And in the moments where he had a voice and we it's all over, you can read, you know, his last words. He 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 says a lot of words trying to explain he doesn't comprehend what's happening. And yet um, what he doesn't say is I don't understand you. And it's really easy to see that this is an unnecessary event and a tragic one and one that um, some of us will just forever be scarred by, but also very personal because this could have been you. In my life, this could have been you. And I'm not alone. There are many families right now who have concerns about mental health and they may not recognize it. They may not know it's autism. They may not know it's neurobiodiversity. They just know that there's different accommodations that their family members need and they're trying really hard to give that to them. And at the same time, we don't live in a society that's very accommodating for people who just process life a little bit differently. And this is a, a perfect example of that. And um, I think it's important to talk about because we do have an opportunity to illuminate why understanding neurobiodiversity is so important and how we can help each other through moments that are confusing and that can be tragic in the end. So I appreciate your patience. It's emotional for me, but, um, let it all out. Rochelle. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I just struggle because not only do I have a lot of emotion about Eliza, but I, it's very personal to me because I relived, it, they're not even the same situation. They're totally different events. What happened to Elijah and what we went through with you, but for me, they triggered very much the same place of just confusion and lack of trust in being able to call my community for support. And I think that's what I really want to illuminate today is maybe how we can help each other to handle that process separately. I, Elijah did not do anything wrong. Everything he said is perfectly sincere and from his heart, and that's where he lived. So hold on, let's. For, not everyone's going to be 100% familiar with the story, so you got to make sure... That's a fair sure point, sorry. I'm getting... You're getting a little bit ahead of yourself. Uh, I do that often. Yeah. Okay. So let's back things up just a little bit, and if you can just, you know, give us a couple bullet points as far as what what really went down. Because my understanding is that there is, and I think I heard it, wasn't there a recording that there, was released? The body cam footage did come out, yes. Okay. Essentially, what happened is um, Elijah, here's here's what, what people did know leading up to that night. Um, we knew he was an introvert. Um, he was not shy about saying, I'm introverted. And he was often cold and he would, um, as a way of self-soothing his, his shyness and feeling introverted, he would commonly like wear hoodies and, um, you know, long sleeve coats or jackets or sweaters. And, and then sometimes when he was really feeling like he just needed some extra, um, support, he would wear a ski mask, which I know is socially controversial, but from a sensory standpoint makes complete sense. And Colorado is not always very warm. Right. And uh, when when was this though? It was like summer. This was August. Okay, I mean, but I mean, regardless of the in sense, yeah. When yeah. you have sensory, and we've talked about sensory issues with temperature. We've talked about hyperesthesia. I have no idea if those things apply to him per se, but but I do know that you know he would commonly just cover himself, and and that we see a lot 
it with autism is you know that with the weighted blanket technique or right just to play devil's advocate you know and and why some people would be questioning you know what he was doing is is that you know if you're walking around in a ski mask you're gonna elicit some response we have done a really poor job in our society of positioning ski masks to only mean criminal behavior right we have not well criminals have done that <laughs> they will they, but we, we criminals ruin the ski mask for everybody <laughs> they do and then we continue to perpetuate it in movies and tv shows and things we still only show one side of it and that is unfair because one that i mean it's a ski mask for a reason because you're you're skiing you need the facial coverage and the temperature control but but for him he utilized it um for emotional security and for temperature control. And he had every right to do that. He has every right to wear what he needs to feel comfortable, albeit socially misunderstanding. Right. Um, That's all I was saying. I'm just saying that there, yeah. you see a dude walking down the street, you might call the cops if they're wearing a ski mask. Well, and he was dancing. So, and I think his earphones were under his ski mask too. And, and he was a very lighthearted soul. So, um, you know, I know that, as uh, an acquaint- as someone who knew him, um, I did believe that he was autistic. I know his friends have confirmed that to me. I don't know. I've not seen that in a lot of the reports that come out. I don't know that there was an official diagnosis. I'm not even sure if he would have um, attached that that connection to himself. But many of his behaviors do fall right in line with spectrum behavior. And 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 at the same time, autism is on the freeze side of the neurobiodiversity scale underneath depression and it's an empathy it's on the empathy side of, of the scale um where i live and he was a very empathetic soul and he would play his violin to you know cats and and he would bow when he would talk to Wait, people he would play a violin to cats yeah well he we got to talk about that he had that much empathy that if he saw stray cats or whatever he had, was a beautiful and gifted violinist and he would play his music for anyone, including these animals, he was so uh, empath em- empathic. <laughs> Sorry, I just think that is a. It's a. What was that? What's that uh, character and you know that plays the flute and like the like rats follow him around or something? The Pied Piper. Is that the, is that the Pied Piper? So he was like the Pied Piper with a violin with but all these with cats. Pure heart. Fo- yeah. With all these cats following yeah, him around. Yeah, I mean, he had That's that ability. He had he had absolutely pure heart. Um, and. He was just a, a pure expression of love. Like the, I have not met a kinder, more authentic person probably Thanks. ever. <laughs> so I mean, you know, he he was just a very very kind soul and and someone we all um, really admired. So he had a a way of living in his own world, but he was so respectful. And there's uh, there's even footage out there of the convenience store that he was in just moments before all of this happened where, and he was in his hoodie and his ski mask, but he exchanged, you know, his transaction with the clerk. And I think they, my understanding was the clerk knew him and he, you can see him bow out of gratitude. And he just did that. He was just someone who admitted gratitude. Um, And then he was dancing on his way home. He's almost home. Someone saw him dancing um, and he looked suspicious, so they called the cops. Now the cops get, you know, within range, and they say, and they, they yell out whatever instruction they yelled out to get him to comply, not knowing, of course, because they can't see the headphones, not understanding um, that he can't hear them, and so as they continue to call for him to stop so they can address the situation, he continues to ignore them, and it escalates into a physical altercation that was so intense and so beyond his level of need i mean he was only 140 pounds and and these three officers pinned him to the ground and when the emts arrived they dosed him with ketamine and what's ketamine it's a very powerful Is that sedative. A tranquilizer? Mm-hmm. okay um he had a heart attack in the ambulance on the way to the hospital and um died four days later wow so it was a very tragic experience um one that went largely unnoticed until George Floyd's incident um, in right. 2020. And then as social momentum gained for George Floyd, many of us, and, and I wasn't the one who led this. I have friends who are far more um, close to Elijah and very passionate about this. And, and I did everything I could to participate in that movement um, out of pure love. But then 
we brought this story forward and his family brought it forward and there was a violin vigil in Denver um, over the summer last year. And I was really pleased to see that in uh, the city that your sister lives in, when they took us to that... Oh, in North Carolina? Yeah, North Carolina. when they took us to that graffiti, that art district. Yeah. And they had the mural of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. They also included Elijah and his name in his photo. And right. So his story has now become far more known. Um, what still does isn't talked about a lot, and that's fine. It's, a, you know, his medical, the the autism piece. But I think it's important for us to discuss with our listeners because it was a factor here um, and it wasn't a, a significant factor in the whole situation, but it, but it is something that we can learn from because I want to read to you, I don't know if you've read this before, but I, I want to read to you his last words through the lens of what we know about um, communication, you know, for an autistic person and, and how you're really giving you're, it's that bottom-up data point thinking, so you're giving examples and you're expressing yourself through details and how uh, we've even demonstrated this between ourselves, how details sometimes can not add up to the concept you're trying to relate, but yet neurotypicals are looking for the concept in order to quickly comprehend something, and so there's just this massive miscommunication between Elijah and the officers and... Um, that in no way excuses the officers. And in my opinion, I think that obligates them to do better. But I think we also have an opportunity to understand that that's where the miscommunication can happen and that we can also um, maybe bolster our family and friends with some more clear ways of saying, hey, I don't understand you. But I want to read to you what he said, if that's okay. Finally. <laughs> I've been waiting. Sorry. He says, and this is all on the body cam footage, if, but that it's difficult to watch. So he says, I can't breathe. I have my ID right here. My name is Elijah McLean. That's my house. I was just going home. I'm an introvert. I'm just different. That's all. I'm so sorry. I have no gun. I don't do that stuff. I don't do any fighting. Why are you attacking me? I don't even kill flies. I don't eat meat, but I don't judge people and don't judge people who don't eat meat, who do not eat meat. Sorry, who do eat meat. Forgive me. All I was trying to do was become better. I will do it. I will do anything. Sacrifice my identity. I will do it. You are all phenomenal. You are beautiful and I love you. Try to forgive me. I'm a moody Gemini. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Ow, that really hurt. You're all very strong. Teamwork makes the dream work. And he's crying now. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to do that. I just can't breathe correctly. I wish it was more... I wish we did a better job of teaching each other that it's okay to say, I don't understand you. He gives a lot of examples here of all the different ways he's confused. And all I believe the officers were hearing was, you're not being compliant. And so the more he was non-compliant, the more force they used. And this massive, tragic thing happened. And in social masking, one of the most unfortunate side effects of this, and I see it happen to women as much as men, is that you have to fake the fact that you don't understand what's happening. Because you don't, you don't want to look stupid or you don't want to appear that you're different. I mean, why would, is there? You just answered your own question. <laughs> Sorry. You were about to ask me. I was, and then I just answered it, but, but I see this all the time. So it's rhetorical. It is rhetorical, I guess, but it just breaks my heart. I know that the night you were in the most need of EMT support 
um, you were not capable of comprehending anything we were saying to you. I did not feel confident you could comprehend anything an outsider would say to you. And so I declined calling the EMTs when you needed them most because I had no confidence that there could be a rational conversation on either side. And as a result, you didn't get the care you needed. I stitched myself up. You did. You had a pretty nasty injury, and it could have been a fatal one. No, it wouldn't have been fatal. Well, that particular injury was fine, but there was no way to stop you from furthering injuries. And I didn't know how that night was going to end. Yeah. No comment. So (laughs) I just feel really at a loss because... Elijah, like so many of the kind-hearted souls that we know, he absolutely communicated to the best of his knowledge, and he was sincere, and he was honest, and but it wasn't it wasn't comprehensible comprehensible either to the police. They didn't understand, and I can go into my judgments, and I can go into my anger and none of that is going to stop some of this from happening again but I pray that we can just make it a little bit more normal to say I don't understand you yes (laughs) well dude you've been talking for 15 minutes how am I supposed to I don't know what, what to respond to first that's a fair I mean I'm I I feel a lot but like you in this moment because I'm so emotional that if I don't just kind of keep going I'm I'm afraid I'm going to miss my point or forget my point and 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 then just confuse myself even further so I understand sometimes well why you even rattle on and I think oh my gosh but thank you for your patience while I do it because it is You know people want to hear me too. I everyone wants to hear that's why we gave you the nice stand today. That's right. <laughs> so I got the I got the best microphone in the house and I have nothing to say. No, I I appreciate you letting me talk about this story. I mean, I know for between the two of us and our experiences, this is mostly an experience for me because um I'm the one trying to get us through these points so we can figure out what's happening to you, but I I don't know exactly what it's like for you to be the one you know, on the other end who's experiencing um, confusion or sensory issues and trying to get through difficult situations. So if we shift gears just a moment to the night where you were struggling the most. Um, You're you, talking about the night where I hurt my head? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. You were, to set that stage, under the care of a physician. Right. A very expensive one. Yes. And what diagnoses did you have at that moment? ADHD. Okay. Is that the only diagnosis you had? I think so. Okay. So that's like three too short. Well, maybe maybe like they knew about the anxiety t- to a degree. Maybe they did. I think you were on an anti-anxiety, but they did not know about autism. Or depression. Or depression. How would those diagnoses have changed the medication you were on? Well, they did. They 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 did change the medication that I was on. I, I mean, know. I, I why? got why? Because with autism, the medication that they give you, it 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 doesn't work the same way if you just have ADHD. That's true. So the ADHD medication that I was on wasn't really working. It it it's supposed to calm you down. It actually really kind of like would amp me up at night. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, now it doesn't do that. I actually feel like the only, like now I feel too mellow. Right. And too relaxed. A little bit. Yeah. What dampens your impulsivity control. So one of the points that I've learned from the, the doctors that are doing a really good job of educating the public on dual diagnosis is that when there's autism in the neurological picture, it makes the brain chemistry far more sensitive and it 
um, removes most of the ADHD medication that would be generally just given to an ADHD-only diagnosis. In fact, it limits it and produces a very specific list of medication that can be tolerated um, with the sensitive brain chemistry that comes with a dual diagnosis of autism and ADHD. Correct. So you were, basically the way I have phrased it is you were in a medically induced state of rage. That is fair to say. That it, and it was dangerous and getting worse. And as you consulted your physician about this state, um, his brilliant idea was to give you an immediate release of the same wrong in medication to take at night. So now you have even more of it with a quick release to send you from a tolerable state to an intolerable state very, very quickly. Right. At night when you needed to downregulate the most. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I don't, I'm the way, I wish I had more to say, but yeah, that's absolutely true. So we have listeners who are in various states of working with physicians and working through the concept of getting, uh, the, and, it, and it is a long, difficult battle. I, I can't phrase it any other way. The, the process of getting an evaluation is not an easy one. Um, we, it's very time consuming. There's a lot of dead ends. A lot of, yes, and a lot of waiting. We were a week away from your evaluation during our difficult night. Right. And we had waited almost eight weeks at that point from the time I made the appointment. We were so close <laughs> to getting into that evaluation before this night happened. And, and it's always that way, right? It's always the darkest right before the dawn. So I definitely, that night felt like, oh my gosh, can we just turn the corner? Can we just get through this week so we can get some answers? Um, and I remember you going into that evaluation, you know, with your, your injuries were very visible. So um, there was no way to prevent what happened because you were under the care of a physician who was um, somewhat negligible. Yeah. Is this, we're talking about the same doctor that said that I couldn't be autistic because I have emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So our doctor They just kept giving me more medicine. And yeah, and the wrong medication, because if you if you deny someone a diagnosis, then it means that you don't you, you weren't probably being treated for it. Yeah. Which basically set you up for this disaster. So it's a miracle we got things turned around as fast as we did. And, and one of the things that one of the viewpoints that got illuminated to me this week and working with um, a close friend of mine through some challenges that she's having advocating for her son and how to get through this process is that. Many, many times the parents who are working to get their children diagnosed and the proper treatment and trying to figure out what next step to take is they're dealing with their own neurobiodiversity on top of it. Or, and that could be challenges with executive function. It could be uh, extraordinarily difficult and limited um, sleep. It can be uh, comprehension or sensory issues. Like as a parent, working through your own neurobiodiversity, trying to guide your child through neurobiodiversity, it, it can be incredibly overwhelming. I zoned out for a minute. Because what I was saying was overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> for a second, I was like, I'm not listening. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, better get back in there. So one of the reasons why this process was not that difficult for you is because I stepped in and did all the admin work for you. I called all the doctors. I did all the executive function, all the planning, all the organizing, all the countless phone calls that it took to line the processes up. Thanks again. You're welcome. <laughs> and I turned around and did it five months later for our son. And and I, and that was an eight-month process. And, and not everyone has someone like me to do that for them, um, which is why I started Rochelle Chandler in the first place so that I could provide that support um, to the community because I recognize that it is overwhelming and that everyone has different challenges. So I am available to help in those moments and um, sessions are available on my days off. I do, I, I dedicate all my free time to this. But what Rochelle is saying, I think, is go to her website. What's the website? RochelleChandler.com. Go to RochelleChandler.com. Reach out to Rochelle. Get some executive function help. I get it for free. 
You do. And you'll have to pay for it. It is it is for hire, but but I understand But the she's world. really good at what she does. <laughs> I speak nonverbal communication. I speak I can translate that into verbal. Like I can I can work through Zoom. We don't have to I know that phone calls are overwhelming as they are, but after going through Love texts. <laughs> I love texts. After watching what happened to my my dear friend Elijah and then experiencing a variety of, of traumatic and um, difficult nights with you and then going through the same process with our two-year-old and and just adding all these pieces up, I realized that, that there's not a lot of support out there like this and I wanted to change that. So this is what I now dedicate my future to is, is providing that support. But um, it's all based on love and just sincere desire to make the world a better place. Um, because I can, I, I do understand, not not perfectly, of course. I've been really honest about where I'm at and, and what I understand, and I'm constantly learning. But I want to help. Thank you for your service. You're welcome. <laughs> Sorry, I'm staring at this picture of the baby eating corn. That's fine. And uh, it, it's a good photo. <laughs> um, I'm getting distracted. See, that's the that's the thing, and that's uh, you know, I talk about in therapy is the. It's it's hard for me to distinguish like what's ADHD and what's autism to try and deal with it appropriately because a lot of times I'm like oh that's autistic and it's like well it's really more of an ADHD trait. Well, and some things overlap. Right, they, they overlap so seamlessly. But my memory, like I forget things. Well, yeah, that's an ADHD thing. And uh, I, you know, so like when you're in the middle of speaking and you it, speaking at great length sure. and then you're looking at me for an answer and this is something i've said at uh, ad nauseum on the podcast of now we're in episode nine we are is i don't fucking know what you're talking about <laughs> I'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> i don't always i don't always know what to comment on right that's because fair. you don't like leave room for me always well and you know what you're making obviously you're making a very strong point and I know that this dynamic between us but it also plays out in so many other social situations that when I talk I'm not the only one that forgets to take breaths so that you can interject does this happen to you regularly what the people just keep talking like at work I don't talk or, to anybody but put yourself in your like where you're interacting with the world like does this happen at work or your boss or no. employees not really. Okay, well, lie the and one, say it the, does. The, the, oh, yeah, all <laughs> the time. I'm kidding. I'm all the time. I know this used to be a challenge with your old boss. No, but what's where a, I'm going. What, so it's a, one thing, you know, like that I talked about the other day um, with uh, my my therapist, my talk therapist. Yes. Was how people will, you know, like my boss will say something to, you know, like tell, tell this other person this. Or you'll say to me, you as Rochelle, will say to me, something and i'm like wow i wish that i could say it exactly like that because i just won't oh, my memory sure. is so crappy so one of the things that and and uh, i hope i'm not going too far off topic here but one of the things that my therapist recommended was that i record people okay. talking and i was like but how am i gonna like bust out a tape recorder all of a sudden and be like say exactly what you just said into my tape recorder okay so actually you're not off topic at all i believe because that would help she said that she thinks that would help me because I can go back and listen to it because she said one thing that a lot of people with ADHD do when they're in school now, and it's probably not a bad idea to do it if you're neurotypical, but to have a tape recorder and, and you take your notes, <clears throat> excuse me, you take your notes based on what is recorded and you just try to pay attention as much as possible Oh. During the lecture, sure. Then you go back and you take notes, and so you're not you're trying not to do both. trying to do both at the same Smart. time. And I'm like, I wish that I would have known that. Right. But it's the same thing when I'm in person with someone. You know, my boss will say because I have uh, an employee that I'm having issues with. She's really rude. Like I, I go up to her and it's like, what? I'm like, who talks to their boss like that? No, that's She's so un unapproachable. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, here I am. I'm like. To talk about masking, I'm the boss, right? You know, aside from the owner, I'm I'm the boss. I'm their boss, and I, you know, I'm talked, you know, being talked down to, right? And I've never really had that experience where my immediate thought is like, well, you shouldn't be working here, right? 
you know? And so anyway, my boss was trying to explain, you know, say, say this, that, and the other thing, whatever he said. <laughs> See, I can't remember. Right. Um, and I'm like, yeah, if you could write that down exactly the way you said it, I'll read it to her mm-hmm. because otherwise I won't, re- I just will not remember. Right. Does anyone else have that problem? Like with their memory? I'm just curious because to me, it is one of the most frustrating things because, you know, sometimes, you know, even neurotypical people, like they're in the middle of saying something and Rochelle will be in the middle of saying something. I think this happened in last episode or the episode before. And you were like, I don't remember what I was saying. Right. And it happens to me and I just, I'm talking and I'm like, oh my God, I ran out of words. Right. I don't know what else Like the picture say. in your mind just poof is it gone. Just disappears. And then all the words you were kind of queuing up to continue the thought go with it. Gone. Yeah. Bye-bye. Right. Well, actually, I think that this is a perfect tie-in because it's not socially acceptable for you as it stands right now to go, I, I have some memory things. I need to take. I need to this. record. Well, you and know? not just that, but the funny part of it is usually when you're like, you know, like you're pulling out a tape recorder seems like you're trying to catch someone doing something that they right, shouldn't be because doing. there's a negative connotation <clears throat> right to it's a like very, that's my ski mask exactly busting out exactly my tape this is my point is that now you have to deny yourself what you need and cannot clearly communicate your needs because there's already a social understanding attached to the strategy you need to deploy to help yourself this is exactly what elijah ran into i appreciate you saying that because what i would wish you to be able to do is like i'm recording everything this is for me it's for my notes let's have a conversation and just and it's really difficult to do right because with anxiety well can i ask you a question then because i asked this question of my therapist and tell me so because i you know i had said I was like, one thing that Rochelle likes to do is to, she likes to tell me what I should have said to her. I do. And I'm like, well, if only you were here to tell me what you, to tell me what I should have said before I said what I shouldn't have said, right. then we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And I do that because I don't think you, I don't expect you to read my mind and figure out the context clues of what I wanted to hear. So I just straight up tell you because I think that's the most honest. And yeah, but after the fact, thing. it doesn't really help. But I, I don't know to say it would ahead have been of nice. time. It would have been nice if... I know. Well, it would be nice if you could, ahead of time, right. tell me what I should have said before you before I have a chance to say it the wrong thing. Or drop a career ender on me. Yeah. A career ender, I yeah. can say it. For those of those people, yeah, career ender is when you just say something to completely end a conversation. It's the worst thing you can think of. The meanest. Meanest, nastiest, career ending thing. Yeah, and the nice thing about career enders, and I say that very sarcastically, is that 20 seconds later, you won't remember what you said, but it will... Well, that's bottle rocket anger. It will scar me forever. (laughs) You know, it's one of those like, oh man, whoo, who else is feeling good? Yeah, and I'm over here What are you crying about? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, I think Dr. Dogson did a really good job. I mean, I think that there was a lot of gaps in his care, but he did um, illuminate us to the bottle rocket temper. So I knew at least what you were doing when you did it. Didn't make your words sting any less, but because I had an awareness of the bottle rocket temper reaction, I learned to tell you after the fact what we failed to communicate on during the moment. And that's what I've learned to say, I wish you had said this to me. That would have communicated it to me in my way. But it, it all goes back to the same fundamental issue of I com- I often communicate in concepts, which you don't comprehend concepts so I paint these big pictures with these beautiful colors and I think I'm communicating very clearly and in reality I've not said a thing that makes any sense to you and you come back and you communicate to me in details and then I get annoyed that you're painting all these details and that we're not moving ahead faster and all we've done is miss each other like ships in the night we haven't communicated to save our lives at all like it's just totally complicated the issue um and can produce some some really nasty fights like this is when you're fundamentally not communicating it is one of the most frustrating things for both parties and understanding that difference is it's no no one talks about the difference in communication this way we talk about verbal and nonverbal, and that is absolutely valid but it's also crap like we need to be talking about bottom-up data point thinking versus concept thinking 
I just did it to you again. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, uh, I was just about to say my favorite tagline. Which one? I agree. <laughs> Shut up, cat. I appreciate the chance to, to laugh about this because um, my heart's really heavy right now. But I do think that this is one of the th- areas where we have the most room for improvement. In, uh, I was going to say, is your ass heavy? <laughs> Always. Um, it's a big deal. And I think the more we understand it, the better we can equip ourselves, our family members, our children to represent their points of view um, differently. And I, but I think the, the responsibility is on both sides. I think the awareness needs to be global. And Well, I think one of the, it's also not just um, based on being in, on the spectrum or anything like that. I mean, the, 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 one of the like through lines for me of the show is mental health awareness, awareness. and acceptance. Agreed. Right? Because regardless of whatever condition um or no can i mean you know autistic or not or ski mask or not or anything like that like whatever whatever you know going back to elijah whatever happened to him was wrong and there's and like you're saying there what's the what's the communication like what's being taught to an officer you know in their life not even just being a cop agreed that they would think that what was happening was okay. Right. And I would say the same thing for teachers. I consult and coach parents through this lifestyle change of, of, of learning that their child and unlikely themselves are also on the neurobiodiversity scale. And one of the places we, I confront this on a regular basis. And and I think of Elijah every time is their teachers act just as ignorant and stubborn and superior as many of their teachers and not necessarily all teachers. I absolutely will not paint them all in the same brush. I have met some inspiring, compassionate, well-educated teachers who understand these differences in personality and they do not hold everyone to this, this standard of compliance. But it's that attitude and authority that says I'm an authority. So you'll be compliant to whatever I say. And I don't have to explain myself to you. Um, I see, I see it a lot uh, we, it has to stop. Yeah. I, there were like three points when I was trying to like Sorry. jump in there and now I don't remember anything. Uh, okay. So I was talking about teachers. Did you run into this with your teachers? Which part? That's the part I was confused about. You're talking about teachers. Oh gosh. I see it all the time. In fact, there are teachers. No, what? What part about teachers are you talking about that, that I would comment on? Well, because your teachers did not understand you and you were not compliant with their behavioral rules often and you were dinged for talking or out of oh, place. Oh, I got in trouble for talking all the time. And so you became, and you even told me, you've told me these stories a couple of times of like you would become anxious being in class because you you knew behaviorally you were going to get in trouble yet you know, you were just being yourself and trying to process what they were teaching, but you process a lot through speaking. And so you got in trouble for speaking. I just have a lot to get out sometimes. It's diary of the mouth, as my brother used to say. Yeah. And it's, it's not, it's not wrong. And and when there's autism and ADHD combined, especially hyperactive ADHD, I'm finding a lot in working with um, these children that one of their what ways, children? I work with different children, um, through my consulting service. Oh, okay. That they're processing and learning by talking about it. I did not know this. Yes. And so in a concept thinker like myself, some teacher can stand at the front of the room and they can throw definitions and they can throw examples and then they can, you know, and they think that they're teaching by by building Just this. Just regurgitating information. Correct. But it needs to be, it has to be in, you have to instruct in a way that people that's a that's the problem. I mean, now we're going off on a different topic, but that's the problem with school in general is that you're taking a room filled with individuals and trying to teach them one way. Correct. It doesn't make any sense. And it's everyone learns learns differently. So then then of course you're going to have people that act out and right. you're going to have people that do better 
than right. other kids and then you you know what I mean like it's unfair and then those kids get moved to like special class right but so let me pause real quick because when we do learning style quizzes what they're testing you for is whether or not you learn visually auditorily or tactily okay but what they're not what if you learn anally <laughs> you're put in, it in by yourself man put it in my butt what they're not testing for is are you a conceptual thinker or are you a data point thinker? Because you can be, you can have a profile that says, yes, I learn by what I hear or I learn by what I, you know, tactily do or I learn by what I read. But that still isn't going to illuminate whether you can pick up a concept or whether you need data points. And what I mean by data points is you need, you need details, sequential, logical details to teach a subject and many times it needs to be multi-sensory. So, so a lot of times um, students who are on the bio, neurodiversity scale, they need to hear it, they need to see it, and they need to do it at the same time. And those qualities are not being tested. So when you talk about what kind of a learner are you, we're still not missing, we're, we're still missing the biggest piece. You could be like, you know, no one's saying, well, I'm a data point thinker. You know, I need to experience multi-sensory learning. No teacher's going to stand up at the front and be able to pull off a multisensory lesson. Right. But you're going to get in trouble for not behaving perfectly, even though they're not teaching to your needs at all, unless you have parents who have been able to go through the long, exhaustive process of finding doctors who can fully evaluate and provide the accurate diagnosis and then pull you into a different path of learning. But that's not always available, um, and it's very difficult to go through. Obviously, it leads, it leaves way too many people. You did it again. I did it again. I saw it in your face. I'm like, oh, I got to keep going. It leaves way too many people undiagnosed or underdiagnosed. And unfortunately, back into the same vulnerability that you found yourself in with your medical professional when you were on the wrong medication, on too much of the wrong medication, and grossly undiagnosed to the point where it nearly cost you your life. It's a bit dramatic. It's not. I was the coherent one that night. Like, it's not that dramatic. It's not. When it's a rage-induced medical situation, like, you had the power. It was Hulk-like strength. Like That's He-Man you're thinking of. He's the one that has the power. <laughs> okay. Prin anyway. Prince Adam. There was, there was physical injury. There was property damage. There was, like, you were capable of... You make it sound like a like I smashed a car with my fists. You could have if you had tried. I I I heard a cabinet door. You didn't just hurt it. I well, fixed it. Uh, there were multiple injuries that night. Right. But okay. and there could have been more because we figured out how to talk you off of a ledge. But you know, this is we're not the only ones that deal with this. But we may we are going to be in the minority of people who are willing to be raw and transparent enough to talk about it because these are the stories that families every single day are experiencing without a roadmap out without any understanding of why and that is why we started this podcast you don't sound autistic because friends uh and including our in our own family i have multiple members of my family that are on the neurobiodiversity scale and so do you and not one of you look or sound autistic so that Every time you say that, it sounds like you're one of the people that says like, oh, you, you don't look autistic. I'm saying... No, nobody looks autistic. Some Well, there's, there, there is a stereotype out there that people are referring to in their mind. And, it, the, and that, there's been such a movement about the gradient and expansiveness of the spectrum and why that stereotype visually absolutely does not apply. But I say it with that level of passion because I had to fight multiple members of our family to get through this diagnosis because they kept saying, oh, that's not his problem. He, I didn't know to say you were autistic, but I knew there was a problem. I said, there's a mental health problem. Oh, no, he's just drinking. Like far too many families have coped over the generations with undiagnosed neurobiodiversity and have resorted to things like alcoholism. I have a, a family member right now who is struggling with this and and he's a grown adult and and he's very much um did children often turn to alcoholism no but then you start turning to i'd be a fun kid 
like cutting or um, isolationist. Uh, isolate. What is it? When you isolate yourself? Isolating. Okay. Um, there's other like a hermit. There's other there's other ways that this happens when you don't have tools available to you. I can't remember the terminology for it now, but I don't either. But nobody thought it was because you were artistic. Everyone thought it was because you had a drinking problem. Oh, he just needs to stop drinking. The judgments, the social judgments that came through and the misunderstandings because you're not the first person to be neurobiodiverse in your family, but you're one of the first to be diagnosed. Right. So when I'm looking to your family for support or looking to my family for support, no one knew how to help me. I'm a trailblazer. <laughs> you Well, and the fact that you're brave enough to come on, I, I appreciate that you are my co-host here and that... You were going to say to come on your show. I was not. Weren't you? <laughs> I was going to say that you're willing to come out to the community and talk about this with me. I'm, I'm coming out. I want the world to know. I'm going to let it show. Thank you. Gonna let it glow. You're very, you're, you're brave. I appreciate your, your point of view. Aren't those, here. are those, are those the lyrics? I'm coming up. Oh, what song are you thinking of? That song. I don't. I'm coming up. You know I how badly I don't. Gonna let it show. Okay, so that sounds familiar. <laughs> That's what I was saying, but I was just saying the lyrics. Oh, I have, I, you know, I don't know the names of songs. I don't or know the, the name artists of, that song of either, song. Like artists. I don't know. I just know the lyrics. It just popped in my head. Oh well. You're welcome, everyone. A little, a little sing along. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds horrible. I'm not being as funny as I normally. This is a am. we said this was too somber, be a, too a serious, sep- a special episode because very serious episode. It is um, serious business. But we did promise at the beginning of the show that we were going to be very raw and transparent, and, and we promised nudity. We <laughs> and just so you know, you are listening to the most graphic nudity <laughs> right now. Oh my goodness! Very nude. No, no one is. My, the cat is maybe, but <laughs> we are not. Oh, I just just because uh, I don't don't ask me why this popped in my head, but someone the other day that um, I was watching Bachelor in Paradise, yes, and one of the guys is naked, and they're oh, playing. Yeah. They went to play like volleyball, and the girls like, "I saw your schlong." I was like, you know, what if it's really not big? Would you call it a schlort? Sorry, I don't know why. Like, uh, it just like because we're talking about nudity, and I was like, okay, I was like, departure for sure. Schlong, schlort. Yeah, that's what you call it. Well, those are the kind of details that you look how your cute your schlort is. <laughs> I don't think anyone would agree. An with adorable that. schlort. <laughs> well, that's funny. Schlort sounds like something you do with your body. I schlorted. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Anyway, sorry. It's okay. I need. I needed to. I know. Uh, I, I feel know. better now. It's been a heavy. I like I said. I I knew I this was going di- to be a tough I one. I needed a dick joke. <laughs> Woo. Well. Okay. Yeah, illuminating neurobiodiversity can be a heavy topic. So that's right. I appreciate the help. Schlong short story short schlort. I can't say <laughs> it. I know where you're going with it. That's funny. Schlong story short schlort. Damn it! That's hard to say. It is. If you can say schlong story schlort, <laughs> call in now. Oh, gosh. <laughs> anyway, um, are we done for today? Well. Seems like, yeah, we're. I, I mean, definitely was able to share everything that was on my heart. Yeah. Um, these, you know, these were tough experiences for us in 2019. It was a tough experience for us in 2020. There was a global pandemic going on in the middle of. What? All of our stuff. So that complicated things. Yes. Still going on. Did we um, talk about the fact that we got vaccinated? We did not. Yeah. We're uh, we're not anti-vaxxers. We're we pro- not. We're pro-vaxxers. We are. So um, get your vaccines, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've done a ton of research well, ra- on this uh, well, as well. I'm, I'm, wrapping, I'm wrapping up. I believe, I do absolutely. But, you know, actually, it's an important thing that you talk about this. Um you, and were, I, you were you were anti-vaccine for a minute there. No, I was just trying to sort through the very thick myriad of information that all came out at a very short amount of time, and I I needed some time to discern how I felt. Don't and you mean schlort? <laughs> yes, but I do want to. Actually, it's a really good thing you mentioned this because, um, as we learned by going through COVID, that because COVID attacks the immune system the digestive system the you know salt your taste buds and all of these things and it has such a wide range of um 
impact on people. Like there's some people who've, who's like, oh, I've had colds worse than this. And they're really dismissive about it. And then I've got other, I, I had two friends die. That's how I, I felt. I felt like I've had colds worse than, than COVID. The, the worst part of it is that it, I still can't smell mm-hmm. and I can't taste. It's getting like taste is like slightly better. Are you taking your zinc? Sometimes. It makes a big difference. We got right. our t- sense of taste back within like 30 minutes of the first shot of the vaccine. But um, who's we? My sister and I. Oh, well, good for you. Yeah. I don't have my sense of taste back. I have it to a degree. But the zinc helps. All right. But in, but what I'm trying to say is that this Delta variant is very rampant in children. And with neurobiodiversity, the immune system is already dampened. So that means that you're at greater risk for catching something like a virus, especially something like this Delta variant that's a thousand times more... Um, uh, what they say it has a thousand times more viral load per droplet. Viral load. Yeah, meaning that like when they swab and they and they get an area of the body that's infected and then they compare it under the microscopes, it has a thousand times more of the virus in that same swab than the alpha variant. That's did. is that true? Or are you just saying a no, thousand? No, I'm not. That is a lot. No, that's it's a what million the, times that's more. That's the reports I've read. They use billions, a thousand times more, and zillions of times. But more. that means that our children with a dampened immune system. Yeah are more at risk for this Delta variant that is also spread far more easily. Right. Watch out. They're little, they're little disease spreaders, those, those kids that you like so much. And we spend a year in, in isolation at home, you know, quarantining and doing all that virtual learning, which I know was, a, was complete hell on the parents that went through it. But at the same time, what we did is we also set our immune systems back because our immune systems are not designed to isolate. We're designed to integrate and constantly um, you know, grow and develop because of exposure to all these different things. And so it's not just COVID that's taking down the pediatric hospitals. It's RSV, it's strep throat, it's bronchitis, it's every other virus and illness. The flu is at massive numbers right now. Adults are getting all their, their viruses. Can you get your flu shot and get your COVID shot? Like, does that... You know, mean, I don't know. Does that conflict? I don't know. I know that the pharmacies are offering both, but I, I didn't ask about... Like, I wonder if it's like, can you just like stick everything in me now? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's a really important deal. I I did write a blog post. This does happen to you and you are home nursing um, yourself and a child through COVID. I did outline our experience in great detail and all the different things that you should be aware of, including like different things to try and eat and different things to avoid because dehydration and digestion are massive. Drink a lot of water. That's one of the biggest things I learned. But if you don't have here. Yes. In general, you should just drink a lot of water. I'm a big proponent of this. But did you know that the daily water recommendations come with an assumption that you're going to get your daily amount of salt? They assume and they don't even talk to you about your daily amount of salt because actually in a, we're, we're only supposed to be getting 1,500 milligrams of salt per day. And when they test, even teenagers, they're getting three and 4,000 milligrams a day. So salt is, is just an assumption at this point that you're going to have enough salt in your body to hydrate. Yeah. But, it's very – can I just yeah, say one thing? There was – like because when I went to the – I went to the doctor and, um, you know, a few weeks ago and – I had the diverticulitis. Right. And so uh, the guy's like, you got to eat a lot of fiber. And I'm like, right. And and, and I was like, and I've been, I'm, I'm like, and he's stay away from red, red meat and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, I've been eating a lot of shrimp. And he goes, well, there's cholesterol in that. I was like, yeah, but isn't shrimp like really healthy for you? It is. And it was, uh, and he's like, yeah, but he's like, you know, because of the protein, it's like a really mm. good protein, but he's like, yeah, it's really high cholesterol. And it's just funny because- for any person to be really that healthy, that's why we die, because there's no perfect way to live. Right. Everybody, like, you know, like my grandpa smoked until he was 40, right. drank until the day he died, and he was almost 92. Right. And then there's people that never smoke a cigarette in their entire life. Right. They never pick up a drink. They don't eat meat. Like, they're, you know, on paper, they're, like, perfectly healthy, and then they die when they're like forty years old or something. I mean, I had I have two friends in my in my circle. You were t- you're talking about that that passed away from COVID. What? Yeah, one of my friends' husband, and and it was less than a week from the time she announced that her husband ha- and her t- daughter tested positive, to the time that she said that her husband in the ICU lost his fight with COVID, and then another friend, who's the mother of five kids, um, and she's not a direct friend, but a friend of a friend, um, 
she lost her battle with COVID after three weeks and perfectly healthy people, as far as I understand. And, um, it, there's just no rhyme or reason what you're, and what you're saying also, especially when you compare the generations has this, um, quantity of chemical comparison that often gets left out of the equation because we have far more chemicals we're dealing with even in the household and in our food and our food is less, um, filled with nutrients. How did so we get on this topic? That battle, we're talking about COVID and dehydration. And so I'm, um, just to circle back, when you don't have your taste buds in COVID and you can't taste things that are salty, you stop eating salt. And the minute you stop eating salt, all that water you're drinking just to try and stay hydrated does not get absorbed. So you very quickly can get dehydrated. Oh, is that why? That's why you like when when you're sick, they always tell you to drink shit like Gatorade because it's got a uh huh and chicken noodle soup because there's salt in there. Right. And on COVID, it's even harder because if you can't taste it, you don't want to eat it. And then if you do like force yourself to eat it, it gave us a stomach ache. And so then you're like, oh, I really don't want to eat because your digestion is off. And so very quickly you became dehydrated. This morning I read an article that said they are tracking massive fatal kidney disease issues to covid survivors because i think and they didn't go into the causal findings i'm not sure if they've linked it all together yet but knowing this dehydration dance that happens and the sodium water fight that you have to kind of monitor on an hour by hour basis especially if you have nonverbal children or children that speak like declanese you know like he does who can't communicate with you or don't recognize if they're thirsty like you really have to be on top of these details to get your children and yourself through something like covid so drink your water but also you know drink your salt electrolytes propel whatever you need to do because you have to you have to have both for the water to absorb gotta drink brondo it's what plants crave (laughs) what is that it's a it's from the movie idiocracy you don't remember that movie i struggled with that movie yeah. I don't think I finished it. Really? They <laughs> lost me somewhere around the middle and I was like, I can't. It's do one this. of those movies it's it's more quotable. Maybe. Like after you've seen it, it's almost funnier to quote it than it is to watch it. Cuz I tried to watch it with my mom and the whole time she was just like, this sucks and I was like it does suck, doesn't it? <laughs> I felt like my IQ was dropping watching it. Oh, I don't know. I think that movie's so on point. I just love that it didn't, I'm not going to go off on that tangent, but No, fair enough. But um, but yeah, Brondo, it's what plants crave. Okay. It should be the sponsor of our show. Okay. <laughs> sure. A a fictitious uh, electrolyte-filled fluid. Yes. Well, we have definitely taken this topic um, from one end of the spectrum to the other. but That's for sure. Um, I think the message is the same in terms of um, making sure that It's all about love. Let's all make love to each other <laughs> we have to- right now. No, I thought that's what you were going to, you were going with the, because you keep saying it's all about love. I do. Self-love, other people, we got to love other Compassion. people. Compassion. So let's make love. But it's also about what you said a minute ago about awareness. We have to be aware right. of these details, whether it's sodium, water, or, you know, communication differences. It's awareness. It's a big deal. And that's why we are here to illuminate neurobiodiversity. That's right. It's awareness. We're trying to be, we're trying to be self-aware and we would like to help everyone else be self-aware as well it's true and then if you're if you're dealing with some difficult things in and for us it always happened at night it was always the nighttime i hated the nighttime um that you're not alone and that it there are solutions and ways that you can talk about it and get some help yeah yes that's the message i wanted to share today i i appreciate the help i know it was a heavier topic but you know mental health is and and especially when things aren't going well um or they end in something that is preventable and tragic and a loss you know this is what we're trying to prevent and next week i'd like to spend a good hour talking about the colon the colon are you going to research the colon oh i know all about the colon oh well then i better research the colon i don't know i know about it conceptually yeah, the colon, the semicolon, the period, the oh. exclamation mark, the question mark. <laughs> okay. I yeah, know, I just want to, I would like to discuss proper use of punctuation. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, well, I definitely need help with that. I, and, you know and and our asses. Uh-oh, okay. baby's awake. Uh-oh. Well. It's time to end the episode really quickly. I'm Blake. <laughs> and I'm Rochelle. Goodbye. Say goodbye, though, Rochelle. Goodbye. <laughs> we'll be back. Goodbye.